Intervention. Intervention. We have yet another episode coming at you guys for the Sunday slate for DFS. That's right. We're here to help you guys win money. We are. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, I can't do this alone because it is such like a galaxy brain type, I guess, contest that, it, you know, there is so much. There is so much that we could actually play with these lineups and with some of these, you know, smaller wide receivers with the whole COVID thing happening. Like there's just so many different combinations. So I had to bring in Eric, right? What's going on, Eric? How you doing, man? Hey, how's it going, Chase? Yeah, these uh these these playoff slates are they're a good time, right? I'm I'm a bit more of a cash game player myself. So I use these shorter slates as my opportunity to get a little weird, throw some uh, some GPP darts out there. I wish that I was like like, I, I really wish that I had the self-control in order to just do cash because I would probably be like a millionaire by now if I just did cash games. But I don't have the patience, man. Like, I want to sit there and I want to play all the tournaments. I want to make all the big time money. You know? Yeah, so any, anyone that, that purports to be a cash game player really means that they just support chasing the GPP yep. dragon <laughs> with their right. cash game profits, right? That's so the like, best way to do it. You know, plus or minus a couple of bucks every every weekend is is basically where the cash game players sit so they can support going out and chasing those big paydays. That's the reality of it. And that's what I try and tell people. I don't follow that advice because I usually use all my money, you know, from each week going towards GPPs. But that's what I tell people to do. That's what I tell people to do. So, <laughs> man, we got a crazy, crazy uh, lineup for you guys. This is something as to where... Like I said, we have different uh, opportunities, you know, throughout the slate as to, God, man, these dart throws, these flyers, it could be absolutely nuts. It could be absolutely nuts. But I was sitting there and I'm looking at it. And first off, it is so much more smooth than the Saturday slate. The Saturday slate was brutal. Absolutely brutal. I, I went through that last night. You guys can go check it out. Fantasyintervention.com. You'll be able to find our podcast through there. You guys can go check out our Saturday slate. That was brutal. This has a lot more opportunity. But the thing is, like when I go in and I attack these smaller slates, these three game type slates, I don't like to sit there and try and uh, do my stacks like I normally do. I actually like to find my studs, find my guarantee points and then build the stacks on those according to how much, you know, I guess, cash I have left. So sitting there and looking at it. Right. We have a few studs on this slate. Does that make sense, Eric, by the way? Does that make sense? Yeah, that's that's exactly how I think about it. Right. On, on these shorter slates. Raw points really matter, so that's that's where you want to start your builds, and then raw use that points. to inform who you want to stack around it. So I, I think you're looking at it the perfect way. I love that, love that. Yeah, and I'll build around with my stacks, my flyers, my contrarian plays, but I want those studs in there. And sitting there and looking at this slate, the biggest question to me is: Do we play Derrick Henry at 9200? I mean, he makes some of these other studs like Kamara and Robinson, like Allen Robinson, was impossible to play. So are we sitting there looking at Derrick Henry? as a lock to play like it, it just makes it tough how are you feeling about this yeah i mean i i think you have to roster him a, a, at least a fair amount right um but last week i was sweating bullets because i think i had like 95 percent ownership on on derrick henry um, so I'm, I'm usually one to go a little overweight uh, but on on these shorter slates 
there is there is a very real consideration about getting getting unique in your builds, right? So I don't think you should fade him entirely. Um, he's very likely to be one of, if not the highest point scorer on the slate, right? Um, but I do think it's it's reasonable to kind of walk down your ownership so that you're a little underweight on him, maybe. 30, 40% of your builds have some Henry in there and then either use those other spots to get, uh, you know, pay up in, in other areas to, to find some, some unique ways to attack the slate, you know, either at the quarterback position or at the wide receiver position. Well, that's the interesting part, right? Because we were sitting there, we're looking at, you know, injuries across the board. We're looking at the, you know, the, the Browns game, like we brought up right before the show started and how the, the Browns situation could end up opening up some opportunity for some of the other receivers to get in the, the Ravens receivers like Duvernay, Boykin, like they could end up being options potentially, especially if Willie Sneed misses time. And the tight end position is almost like a dart throw for the Sunday slate if you fade Mark Andrews and Jared Cook. So sitting and looking at it, like this could be the week where you could actually play Derrick Henry and he might not cock block you from getting some of these other bigger guys as long as you're willing to take flyers. Bad news is, though, is that you're going to have to take multiple shots on similar lineups with different combinations of these flyers, because there are so many flyers this week. So you're going to have to take shots with Donna Peoples-Jones, who we'll talk about here in a little bit. You have to take shots with Devin Duvernay, Miles Boykin, Willie Sneed if he plays. And you're going to have to have very, very similar lineups in order to find the right dart throw. So are you going to sit there, and, and for tournaments at least, are you going to sit there and try and unroll a bunch of these lineups together with Derrick Henry in there, with Alvin Kamara in there? Is this something as to where you're going to put multiple ones up? Because... They faced, he faced him earlier this year, and he put up 23.3 fantasy points and hit the rushing bonus. Now, he hit the rushing bonus, I believe. Yeah, he hit it in the fourth quarter and then laid 31 more yards on him in overtime. So he got that extra, you know, three points or so in overtime. But, I mean, sitting there looking at it, like, are you going to try and figure out a way to play Henry and do these different combinations of flyers? Yeah, that's that's exactly how I'm ta- tackling the slate, right? Um, when whenever whenever I'm playing in uh, in GPPs, I tend to sort of cap my my game selection into those twenty max games, right? Yeah, um, those hundred and fifty entries, oh, like I know every random combination <laughs> of these flyers is going to be on a roster, and they're going to burn you, and you're gonna you're gonna lose your bankroll. You're going to hate your wild card weekend, right? So usually I'll target those twenty max, and I'll I'll build around usually about two or three, maybe sometimes four core guys. And then exactly as you said, just rotate in those flyers, those dart throws, um, you know, rotate in a few pivots, right? So, um, you know, really it's at least the process for me is, is all about finding who those sort of lock button plays are and then just building some, some variable lineups around that. Yeah, I mean, sitting there and looking at it, that's actually almost exactly what I put in my notes is you're going to be playing against guys that have 150 lineups, you know, with Henry in there. So I'm almost sitting there and hoping that, like, Henry's actually not a lock for me. Like, I'm not saying, like, you got to go out there and you got to play Henry. He, he's not actually going to be in probably 40% of my lineups or 50% of my lineups or 60% of my lineups. He's actually going to be probably closer to 20 or so just because of the volatility, maybe even less than that. And I'm actually going to hope that, that Derrick Henry bombs this week. Now, do I think that's going to happen? No. But I'd rather pivot and get in some contrarian plays as my locks. You know, somebody like J.K. Dobbins, for example, and be able to save some of that, that money on the back end. J.K. Dobbins, for me, dude, 18.5 fantasy points when they faced off last time. And he's something that's becoming more like dependable from week to week. His upside's still a little bit limited, but I mean, 6,600, like that's a smash play. That's almost 3K less than Derrick Henry, 2,600, 20, I believe. So, Sitting there and looking at it, like 20 red zone touches over the past six games, 
you know, breakout game coming last week. I'm, I'm getting excited to, to play J.K. Dobbins. How are you feeling about J.K. Dobbins? Yeah, you, you absolutely should be excited to play J.K. Dobbins, right? He's He's been one of the more valuable pieces at the running back spot over the last four weeks. And yet his price tag doesn't really reflect it all that much. So I definitely think there's a lot of value in playing him. Um, actually, as, as I'm starting to piece together my initial builds, I'm actually looking for ways to bounce both running backs in that in that game. Um, I think it'll be a little bit of a unique way to, to sort of tackle that game. But yeah, also, it's the leverage up against Lamar Jackson. Yeah, there's leverage in Lamar Jackson and there's leverage against who's probably going to be the chalkiest tight end of the weekend in Mark Andrews, right? So really interesting way to, you know, kind of take advantage of a player who's expanding their role in the offense, who is is going to proportionally have lower ownership than some of the higher dollar options and and open up some some uh, some cash savings for you. Dude, I like that take. And we're sitting there, we're looking at it like the Titans, right? They've allowed every starting running back outside of two so far in the season to get 17 or more fantasy points against them. Well, not on the season, but since week eight, all but two since week eight. So we're sitting there, we're looking at Dobbins, like we talked about with the 18.5 fantasy points included a touchdown. That touchdown actually started a string of touchdowns that has led to six straight touchdown or six straight games of the touchdown. I mean, I'm sitting there looking at JK Dobbins as like a smash play. I might have close to 70% ownership on him, maybe 60%. Like, is he going to be that much owned for you? Or are you going to back off a little bit? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be super overweight on him too. I don't know if I'll be up to 70% or so. Um, but I, like I mentioned a, mo- a moment ago, I'm actually trying to find ways to fit him in with Henry. Um, so the, 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 um, uh, salary confines get a little restrictive with that play, uh, but I'm definitely going to have him in a, a, a proportional amount of my lineups, probably closer to 40 or 50%. Um, that, that value is just is too hard to turn away. I don't think that he's going to get a whole lot of ownership. Uh, so I, I do think that's a really interesting opportunity on, this, on the slate. I, I love it, man. And honestly, like I like another person on this team. You know, we're sitting there and you talked about Mark Andrews, who you brought up. And it's like, man, who do I want to sit there and, and play more often? And honestly, like, I feel like you have to have Mark Andrews or Marquise Brown as a lock. Now, whichever one is up to you. But, I mean, Adoree Jackson hasn't been the same since coming back from the injury. I mean, he's only allowed three incompletions total while in coverage. Like, how, like you've been back for how many games now? And you've only allowed right. three incompletions total? He's gotten smoked by, Co- by Cooks. He got smoked by Cootie while in coverage. Devontae Adams scored on him twice. I mean, he's pretty much going to be matched up solely on Hollywood Brown, who has six touchdowns in the past six games, including two last week, and at least six targets in all but one of those games. Listen, I know they shut him down the last time they played, but Lamar Jackson, baby, he's found that rhythm. He's found that rhythm, baby. Like, he's sitting there, and he has absolutely gone off over the past few weeks and sitting there looking at it like Marquise Brown is the biggest beneficiary of that. So, sitting there and looking at it, right, with – all the opportunity in the world for Marquise Brown to absolutely explode in this matchup. How do you feel about Marquise Brown? Yeah, I, I, I like him a lot. Um, I, I think most people, you know, really kind of take a first glance at this Ravens team and they, they really think about how they're a run first offense and largely they, they have been, but over these last, you know, four or five weeks where they've really picked up the pace, a lot of it has been running to set up the pass. And, and Marquise Brown has been the beneficiary of that, right? So I, I think it's a really interesting spot. Uh, your, uh, your comment about uh, Adoree Jackson getting torched in like each of his last seven games is, is spot on, right? And, and Marquise Brown profiles is exactly the type of player that can get that quick step past him 
or make a move and all of a sudden be streaking down the, the field. So he, he certainly is more of a boomer bust play, but on these short three game slates and largely looking at GPP plays, I mean, he's, he's a, the exact type of upside player that you want in your lineup. The other thing that I'll note is, is you were, you were spot on in mentioning that he was completely shut out in their week 11 matchup, but also he wasn't matched up against Dory Jackson. Primarily his, his primary coverage was borders in that game. So uh, he's not even walking into uh, a, a difficult matchup that he saw a, a few weeks back. He's got a Dory Jackson who I think is like the 80th or 90th ranked cornerback uh, uh, matchup on pro- player profiler. Yeah. Looking there, like looking at Lamar Jackson off the play action fake, like you were bringing up. I mean, geez, 69%, 69.2% uh, completion percentage. 69.2 completion percentage uh, off the play action fake. So sitting there looking at a great opportunity. I mean, meanwhile, like he's just been overly efficient, like incredibly efficient, you know, 10 for 18, three touchdowns, 17 for 26, two touchdowns, 17 for 22, three touchdowns. Like he's sitting there and he's looking just like the Lamar Jackson from 2019, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, but we're still trying to find those locks. So are you locking in Mark Andrews into more of your lineups or locking in Marquise Brown? So I'm uh, at least in in that binary. I'm going to have more Marquise Brown than I am Mark Andrews. I, I think pivoting off of that ownership for Mark Andrews is is a really interesting way to get leverage. So um, at least in that binary, uh, put me put me in Team Hollywood. I think we can give him his name back too, based on how he's played over the last few weeks. Oh, Steph is not going to like that. Oh my god, I cannot <laughs> wait to cut that clip out. How many minutes are we in? Fifteen minutes, twenty one seconds. Love you, Steph. <laughs> Oh, he gets his name back, Hollywood. Hollywood! Hollywood. All right, so let's go ahead and let's move on to another player that has people kind of sketched out because he's got a C-19 next to his name. He's got the red number four, you know, on the other side, but on the same line, right? And that's Alvin Kamara. I think he's going to see slightly less ownership. I mean, because we talked about the Derrick Henry of the world, you know, who, by the way, is insanely, insanely expensive, but he can still put up the points like we talked about earlier. but you know, we're probably going to see what 20% ownership on, on Derek Henry. That means we won't be able to get Kamara in a lot of those lineups. So sitting there and looking at it, I think that Kamara's going to be a lot less owned than what we expect. Now the bears, they love their linebackers. They got a sick linebacking core that has helped their defense tremendously, but it hasn't translated to a ton of success at stopping the run. Not to mention Roquan Smith, man, if he's out, if he's out, this game gets even sexier for Kamara. Because Smith, he's not great at stopping the run, so I'm not, I'm not really worried about that. But in coverage, he's the fourth best linebacker in terms of covering, so, or in terms of coverage. So sitting there and looking at it, like the last time the Saints and the Bears played in Week 8, Smith, while in coverage of Kamara, held Kamara to three receptions on five targets, and Kamara only got one yard. Against all the other players, all the other people that were covering Kamara, he went six for seven for 95 yards. So if Smith's not there, like Kamara is going to absolutely smash. Like it's going to be nuts. He's going to have a field day. Don't forget the last time that Kamara played. What did he do? Yeah. Do you, do you remember the last time that Kamara played, Eric? Uh, I think he had a, he had an okay game, right? It was like, okay, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know, like 60, 65 points, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> People are forgetting about that. I was just talking to somebody earlier and they're like, I don't two know. Weeks about like, it it's was two history. weeks ago. It was two weeks ago. He had six <laughs> touchdowns. This is crazy for me. And people are talking about playing Derrick Henry instead of playing Kamara. Listen, I know there's a corollary with some players 
you know, that have COVID that just aren't the same coming back. But the running backs typically aren't the ones that have the issues. So sitting there, COVID's not scaring me off. Kamara put up 20 points last time they, they played. And the Bears, right, have been really good up against the wide receivers. Kamara is a lock play for me. And I wanted to say Michael Thomas would be because Kamara's been producing without Michael Thomas being in there. And Michael Thomas has great price. But I think I have Kamara over Thomas as a lock play. How are you feeling? Yeah, uh, I, I couldn't I couldn't be more aligned with you. Like the the whole COVID worry, like get get out of here, right? Like if if we're talking about a full like 13, 16 game slate and you want to fade a guy because you have that question mark, fine, right? But you're talking about arguably the second best running back on a three game slate. So um, you, you just have to put that aside and, and understand that it, I'll, I'll be at a risk. It's a relatively low risk to run and your alternatives are uh, effectively nil. Uh, the Rokon Smith point is, is exactly the, the way to look at this game. And as, as we're heading into Sunday, keep an eye on that news because if in fact he, excuse me, he misses the game and it, it, it looks like he's at least trending that way. I think all of the middle of the field and underneath passing options, which includes Alvin Kamara in this offense, get a huge upgrade and are, are likely where I'm going to go to pivot and find a little bit lower ownership. So definitely like Kamara in this matchup with Smith out, definitely like Cook a bit more as my pivot off of Andrews. Uh, so, so that middle of the field kind of mid and short range passing game is exactly where you want to target against uh, this Bears defense. Their outside corners are much stronger, but also, you know, relative to their their pass defense, the run defense is, is weaker for what is a, a fairly decent uh, Chicago Bears defensive crew overall. I can't figure out what's going on with the run game. Like I looked up Keem Hicks injuries. Uh, I try to find why they've been so porous this year. And last year they went like first four games of the season, fire and then Keem Hicks went down and all of a sudden they just fell off completely like the run game just plummeted and that isn't the case this year because Keem Hicks has been playing like I, I don't understand why their run defense is faltering as it is but it is what it is do, do you have a reason for it or no I was, I was, I was going to echo that point it's 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 really hard to tell right there's there's not that that clear corollary between you know, this person being out or maybe a shift in their defensive philosophy. Uh, but it really has been over these last five or six weeks where they're really letting the, the, the opposing rusher gouge them, right? It's, it's really their, their yards per carry. That looks like it's changed over that period of time. Um, and usually that's indicative of a player being out, right? Um, but uh, Hicks is still there. So it's, it's a bit of a mystery, but for whatever it's worth, it's happening. It's, it's, it's happening. It's happened for a long enough period of time where I think we can use it as as reasonable uh, basis for our, our analysis for this matchup. I mean, yeah, I I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, looking at the other side of this, because this is this game is getting me excited, man. Like this game is getting me excited because it's starting to feel more and more like this could be a shootout, which I never expected in a million years when you told me that these two would be facing off against each other on Sunday night. Like, you know, after all the games ended, the playoff schedule was released. It was like, this is going to be a low scoring game. This game's going to suck. And the more and more I look into it, the more that I think it's actually going to be somewhat of a shootout. So, you know, sitting there and looking at the other side. And, and actually, that's what I wrote in my notes. Without even looking at it, I swear to God, that's what I wrote in my notes. It says, I think this game could be a little bit higher scoring than most are expecting. So with the Foles, with, with Foles, the Bears only lost by three in week eight. Uh, Miller, Mooney, and Robinson, they all had double-digit fantasy points. Both Robinson and Mooney got in the end zone. Meanwhile, Miller actually led the team in receptions. Allen Robinson, he's got to be a lock, right? I mean, he had a rough week 17, but, I mean, that actually, that did something beautiful 
beautiful for him. That that made something magical happen. His price just plummeted. It went poof. Like these are the past three weeks for his pricing: seventy two hundred, seventy seven hundred, seventy seven hundred. Now he's sixty five hundred because he had one bad week. Talk about nerfing a price! Like this is insane. Like this price just went poof and disappeared. Like what happened? Like I am so stoked right now. He hasn't been this cheap since Mitchell Trubisky came back in week twelve. And guess what? The last time they faced off with Foles a quarterback, he dominated Lattimore five for six for eighty yards and a touchdown. Like, come on, like you got to lock him in. Right. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. Right. Um, and, and you, you hit the nail on the head with, with your last point. It's, it's Lattimore in my opinion, right. His, his reputation precedes him. Uh, last year he had a phenomenal year in coverage and this year he's just been sort of, I, I think he's like the 45th ranked cornerback in coverage and he's given up like six or seven touchdowns in his coverage. So, um, you know, he, he very much so is a capable corner, but he's not getting it done this year and see back to that, that matchup a few weeks ago. Right. So, um, you know, you, you couple that with what looks to be just a ridiculous misprice on, on DraftKings overall. And what you opened your point with, which is most people look at this game as profiling for a relatively low scoring affair. And it very well might be. I mean, 47 feels like about the right number. But the the point being that that sentiment is going to drive ownership away from the offensive pieces in this game. Um, the Saints defense is probably going to be the highest owned piece in the entire slate. And so you're getting leverage off of that by uh, presumably not playing them, but also by investing in the offensive pieces, namely Allen Robinson on the Chicago side of the ball. Yeah, make sure you all go check out youtube.com slash fantasy intervention. By the way, youtube.com slash fantasy intervention. Go hit subscribe so you guys can get more content like this. We will be going throughout the entire playoffs. Now, what we got two more locks and then we're going to go into stacks. All right. So another receiver that I want to lock into is Judas Smith Schuster. I'm going to be chasing the hell out of him. And honestly, like he's been really on and off, but Sitting there and looking at it, I think they're starting to figure out how to utilize him again. Like, I don't know why they forgot. Like, they had Mason Rudolph at quarterback, I guess. But Juju's sitting there with the ninth most receptions in the NFL. He's the 38th. He's 38th in yards. Like, it probably has something to do with his ADOT being 5.5, which is fifth worst for the wide receiver position. But, I mean, they're figuring out, right? they got to be figuring out. Four touchdowns of the last six games and six of the last nine over 17.5 fantasy points in six of those nine games. And last week he torched Cleveland for 18.5 fantasy points. I don't care. I don't care that he hasn't crossed a hundred yards with 97 receptions in a single game this season. Uh, that still blows my mind. I do kind of care about that. He hasn't crossed a hundred <laughs> yards yet in this entire season. That's wild. Um, it is wild. 97 receptions and he hasn't crossed a hundred yards. He's gotten close, right? He's got like a 96 and a yeah, 93 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. something like that. It, it, he's gotten close like two or three times, but that's yeah. just crazy to me. I mean, the thing is, is like all these people, they talk about, oh, get that three-point bonus in. Dude, you can keep your three points because he's going give, to give, give me 10 points off of receptions. So I'm looking right now at MJ Stewart, who's the second worst corner that's actually qualified in the playoffs. And guess what? Juju gets to go up against him. This is going to be magical again. I think Juju's going to go off. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, you know, in, in kind of the, the macro sense, um, uh, targeting pass catchers that are uh, out of the slot and in the interior is, is typically who you want to prioritize going up against the Browns so you can, uh, you can avoid Ward there. But since the entire defensive secondary has the Coco, I mean, basically – 
all of these Pittsburgh receivers are in a pretty good position to eat. Um, so for me, the decision is really between Juju and Deontay. And if you stack those two next to each other and one of them is what, $700 cheaper, I, I, I'll, I'll go back to, to the well of um, saying that I think I'm going to try to, to, to stack expensive running back pieces together in my build. So any and every opportunity I can get to save a few bucks, I'm going to pounce on it. And while Juju is very much so known as a bit more of a floor player, right? You, you said that he's going to get, you know, a dozen or so targets and catch eight, nine, 10 balls. His upside is actually pretty reasonably within reach because he hasn't hit that hundred yard bonus yet. Right. So if he keeps having similar games to what he's seen, but he falls forward a few more times, all of a sudden you're plus three. And that, that's, that's just that little edge Literally, to move you up in the, the profile. <laughs> exactly. Just lean forward, my guy. <laughs> Jeez, man. That's so funny. But like, it, it's crazy how they've been using him because they don't have a running game. So he's pretty much the running back slash slot receiver. That's what, what role he's playing. And looking at his like points, 18.5, 24.6, 17.5, 17.7, 22.7, 21.3, 13.7, 17.5. Like that's like so that's, steady. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's three games in there that I didn't name uh, 3.5, 9.8 and 5.9. The 3.5 game was the, the game where, I mean, it was probably the best game that I've ever seen. Uh, what's to do from since they used to play for the Vikings, McKenzie Alexander. That, that oh, was yeah. the best game I've ever seen him play like in my lifetime. And I used to do the show with the Vikings fan. And we always talked about how Kenzie Alexander was right on the edge, right on the cusp, but he couldn't, couldn't put it all together. And he was lights out there. So, you know, sitting there looking at it, I love Juju Smith-Schuster. He is a lot for me. I will have him probably 40 or 50% of the lineups, to be honest with you. Like, that's how much I love him. So my last lock is a tight end. And I kind of hesitated on this because we do have Michael Thomas coming back. Um, you know, I like Kamara. So I don't know if this is necessarily a lock. But for the Sunday slate, it just makes a lot of sense. Um, the best game of the season actually came up against the Bears. So Jared Cook, you know, who we look at the Bears and they are brutal up against the tight end. Like Jared Cook could actually have a very good game. 12 touchdowns allowed on the season. Makes sense. Uh, 23 targets for Jared Cook over the last five games. Awesome. Uh, attention focus on Michael Thomas coming back phenomenal like sign me up at this point lots of ownership is going to be on mark andrews uh plus they have bigger names that are cheaper than him like ganu graham met ebron like everybody forgets about jerry cook but he has these games where he puts up 15 to 20 fantasy points or he has two touchdowns because he gets utilized on the seam routes like he beats them up the middle i'm loving cook this week like i'm loving cook for the sunday slate for the for the Saturday slate, I had Logan Thomas. For the Sunday slate, I love Jared Cook. Do you love Jared Cook as much as I do? Yeah, I, I think I do, right? Um, I, I think I, I mentioned do. earlier. I think I love you. <laughs> I mean, like, I just watched we just uh, Best Friends. <laughs> <laughs> I was just watching Yes Man. And oh, solid. Like, one, of the, yeah, one of the funniest lines was, I think I love you. <laughs> oh, you think? I think, okay. I think so. Um, so, the, the only thing that I'll, I'll add to Jared Cook is, is the point that we brought up when we were talking about. Alvin Kamara, right? Like there's, there's a real chance that one of the best uh, uh, sort of short field mid range uh, defensemen on, on the bears, Roquan Smith is going to miss this game. Right. So, um, you know, that's, that's all the upside that you really need. And, and this is at least for me where, um, you know, kind of really analyzing the slate and the pricing for these players comes in, comes into play. He's, he's in this weird kind of middling tier by himself, right? There's Mark Andrews, 
who all things considered, isn't that much more expensive than him. But then there's this big sort of girth of, uh, of low priced options that are all about the same underneath cook. And I, I think on this shorter slate, there's going to be a, a lot of people that are trying to, to find ways to save money. Right. So they're going to be looking at Jared cook and they can save 700, 800, a thousand dollars to drop down to kind of these unwashed girthy masses. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, um, and, and, you know, they're, they're, they're likely to go that way. Right. Like the, the way that the pricing falls, I think he is on that sort of weird Island where there's not going to be a ton of ownership. And, and most people are looking at this matchup as, as probably the lowest scoring affair on the Sunday slate. So all of that stands to give a, a ton of leverage to Jared Cook for a few rostering. Dude, love it. Absolutely love it. And I love the girth. Love the girth. <laughs> the girthy masses. All right, so let's right. go ahead and hop on stacks real quick because we have to figure out which players we're building around. Make sure you guys go check out youtube.com slash fantasy intervention. Once again, that's youtube.com slash fantasy intervention. Make sure you guys hit subscribe. We're going to be going throughout the playoffs and past that. I mean, we have about three to four episodes planned a week along with some quick shots. So go check out youtube.com slash fantasy intervention and hit subscribe. I mean, we got Matt Miller coming in here on, on next Wednesday. I'm excited for that. Yeah. Steffi and I, Ooh, we're going to be parting. And then of course we have the down or drinking and talking fantasy football crew coming in as well. So I'm very excited. So looking at the stacks, we have to figure out what the players are going to build around, right? So we gave you Jared Cook. We gave you Juju Smith-Schuster. We gave you Alvin Robinson, Alvin Kamara, Mark Andrews to an extent, uh, Marquise Brown, J.K. Dobbins as the guys that we are locking into our lineups, right? Uh, What did you call it earlier? You said something earlier that I actually really loved as a term uh, for these guys, the, the, the guaranteed points. Oh, the raw points guys. Yeah. The raw points. These are our raw points guys. That we just named off. So yeah, those are the raw points. I love that. I'm, I'm using that from here on out. It's going to be your turn, but I'm using it. I don't no, know if anybody else says that. Right? I was never even here. Wait, does anybody else say that? Am I, am I late to the show? Uh, I mean, I, I've, I've, I've heard it around, but I don't know if it's anybody's. So if you plant your flag there, I'm, I'm sure people will start assigning it to you. I love planting flags. I'm not going to lie. All right. So (laughs) even with his pricing, like talking about the stacks, right? We got to chase Lamar Jackson's points. Dude's on fire. You know, he's looking like 2019, like we talked about. And I know that he didn't play, you know, well up against him last time. I understand that, which is why we have other stacks that we're going to attack. But, you know, for this stack right here, I think that he's going to like, I think he's going to ball out. I really do. You know, I expect him to fully explode, just unload this week all over everybody. And honestly, like we talked about like Brown and Andrews. So they're studs you can play, but I kind of like playing Lamar Jackson with just one of them and then J.K. Dobbins and, you know, take advantage of the running game as a whole. You know, it's like, God, I mean, can we pull the trigger on another one of these pass catchers? How are you feeling with, with Lamar Jackson this week? Are you playing him? And if so, who are you stacking him with? Yeah, so there there are going to be points where I have him stacked up with both Hollywood and with Mark Andrews. Um, you know, at least for me, the the whole basis of stacking, especially on these shorter slates, is is really trying to double down on on that point production, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I definitely think that there's credence to the idea of sort of investing in their running game overall. Uh, but I'm I'm probably not going to be looking to stack Lamar with J.K. Dobbins. I'm, I'm going to look to have him in the lineup in the games where 
rather the builds where I've, I've got Mark Andrews centered. Um, and then maybe go Tannehill on the run back for the builds where I have JK Dobbins built or locked in. That's actually who I was going to bring up next, but I did want to just, you know, I wanted to bring up Lamar Jackson because I know that, you know, the smart thing to do in GPPs is probably to fade him, but I just love him so much this week, man. I mean, yeah, I mean that that Titan that Titans defense is just hot trash. Um, it you is know, hot you look back, you look back to a year ago, and they stifled every team in the league, including Lamar Jackson, in the playoffs, the first round of the playoffs. Uh, but this is an entirely different defensive unit. Um, if if you go back and look through their game logs, every single quarterback is having their season high against this Titans defense. So I definitely think that he's he's in play, right? Um, but where, where at least where I'm looking to stack them, it's got to be with some of those pass catching options so that you can you can get the old double dip, right? Um, so you know, so we want for, Lamar Jackson, we want Alvin Kamara, we want Derrick Henry, we want Marquise Brown, we want AJ Brown to run it back. Yeah, now this is getting way expensive. I yeah. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna have a bunch of bottom barrels, right? No oh, man, I don't even think you can make that lineup work. I really don't. Like, I, I'd be impressed if you could actually have the guys that I just named off, and yeah. Man, I don't think the matter. You probably have to move Henry to to make that make that work. Um, but I, I think there's some yeah, yeah, that's off of, off of Henry where you can get a pretty reasonable build uh, with with those other pieces that you just shot through. Uh, I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. So you know, by the way, I do have a really good feeling about Duvernay, but Boykin's one that's scoring touchdowns, getting the targets. He's showing up big time lately. We're going to talk about them in a little bit, but they do make sense to stack with Lamar Jackson, Tannehill. Though, like you brought up. You know, this this type of stack could get fun, right? Because the Titans receivers actually put up the third most yards on the Ravens earlier this season when they played the first time. Davis broke 100 yards. Brown got 16 a touchdown. You know, this game could turn into a shootout towards the tail end of it, like in the fourth quarter if these teams are getting competitive. They could abandon the run to an extent. But the constant pounding that Henry could, you know, could set up like this play action fit, kind of like how we talked about with Lamar Jackson. There aren't a lot of great wide receiver options on the Sunday slate. Or there, there. I'm sorry. There are a great, a lot of great options, you know, for the wide receiver position on the Sunday slate, especially for flyers, because we want to play these top end uh, running backs. So I don't want to overdo it here, but Corey Davis and AJ Brown are both plays with Tannenhill at quarterback. Now sitting there looking at Corey Davis is more appealing, right? He's sexier. He's 4800. He's had these games before, and guess what? He just came off a really hot performance, right? But 2200 less is where everybody's going to flock to Corey Davis instead of A.J. Brown, who for some reason is the most expensive wide receiver on the slate, right? I mean, sitting there looking at it like playing A.J. Brown could actually be the contrarian play. The other two players in this price range are Michael Thomas and Allen Robinson. So, of course, you're going to want to play these players over uh, A.J. Brown because A.J. Brown's dealing with injuries. Like, is this something as to where, like, if we play – Lamar Jackson or even Tannehill, like is AJ Brown a, a play for you in the stack? Like, you know, are you going to have a high percentage ownership of them? Yeah, I, I think I am. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm definitely targeting Jackson as, as probably my, my chalkiest uh, quarterback on, on the Sunday slate. And I, th- I think AJ Brown is actually the, the run back there. Right. Uh, and a lot of it has to go back to that roster construction that we've, we've continued to, to hit on tonight's stream, right? Like money is going to be tight on this Sunday slate. And so do not be surprised if everybody goes to uh, rather clicks to each of the, the various positions and just sort of crosses through the most expensive option. Right. So I do think that with that huge price disparity, 
comparative to uh, to Corey, Corey Davis and Davis coming off of this huge game, that a lot of that ownership is going to go a little bit more towards the cost savings. And AJ Brown is an absolute monster, right? Um, we, we just finished dogging on how terrible the Titans defense is. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, I think, is QB seven or eight on, uh, on the season. And it's because they're always getting both raised and they're always having to catch up. So I definitely like investing in this Titans passing game, um, you know, presuming that this game is going to shoot out. And I, I think that AJ Brown is actually the spot to look at. Okay, so if we're still talking about stacks, right? Because we, we love AJ Brown as a stack at this point. Big Ben, like he makes sense with this Cleveland team falling apart now. But can we see a repeat game from earlier in the year where they only attempted like 22 passes en route to a, to a 38 to 7 win? Because I feel like that's what could happen. Like, I mean, I'm sitting there and like, I know that Big Ben is like, you know, playoff Big Ben is like the real deal. But I mean, I'm looking at the stacks here and I'm like, okay, Juju's a lock. And then I get to decide between Deontay Johnson and Claypool. And it's like sitting there and looking at it like you can't play them both because Denzel Ward, who should be playing, will be shadowing one of them. He, he just started shadowing, by the way, about halfway through the year. But I mean, he's going to be shadowing one of them, right? And I'm assuming that he's going to be shadowing Deontay. But I feel like it would make more sense if he was shadowing Claypool because looking over there at the other side, like Mitchell struggles with speed guys and he got burned by Claypool twice in week six. I, I believe it was two receptions for like 59 yards, if I remember correctly. So, I mean, sitting there looking at it like, hey, I like the Big Ben stack, but if they pull away because this team's falling apart, I mean, how many passes is Big Ben going to attempt? Yeah, that's that's exactly how how I'm looking at it, too. Right. I, I do want to invest in this Pittsburgh offense, but I don't know if this is where I'm going to have the majority of my stacks because the just how desecrated that Cleveland uh, defensive secondary is. I do expect that Pittsburgh will score a lot of points by way of the passing game, but I think that it's going to be a fairly quick day in the office for them. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised at all if we see some some really impressive production and paces for the first half of that game coming out of the, the Pittsburgh offense, so passing offense specifically, but, uh, you know, them very much so getting comfortable and, and running out the clock on the, on the back half. So um, I, I do think that you should own those pieces, specifically the wide receivers. I think that you should alternate your exposure to them. Um, you know, Juju's locked in. You know, look to to get a little bit of Claypool in there. Look to get a little bit of Deontay in there. I think Claypool's probably the more interesting play to get uh, a bit of ownership leverage. I think he's going to be the lowest owned of the three. Um, and the uh, the reports out of Pittsburgh are that his uh, his playing time was walked back to save him for the playoffs. So he does have some upside there. Uh, but I I don't think that this this passing offense is going to be consistently involved enough in this game to where I want to invest heavily in trying to uh, get that, that double dip or that multiplier on, on Big Ben and some pass catchers. Yeah, now it's, it's something that's where, like, I feel like you can still play these guys without having the stack, but, I mean, at the same time, like, it, it's, it's tough to sit there and, and decide which direction you're going to go, so I, I kind of want to avoid everybody that's not Juju unless I'm doing a stack. But, yeah. I mean, sitting there looking at it like, if you do play Big Ben as a stack, you got to play Landry, right? And I'm not rolling Landry out in every single lineup, but the one with Big Ben makes sense. He has four touch, or he has a touchdown in his four out of the last five. Uh, you know, he he's kind of like a very low ceiling guy, so I don't love him for tournaments. But sitting there looking at like you know him, Kareem Hunt, who could see some work in the passing game. I mean, Kareem Hunt's 4,800. 
So if he ends up playing and or he ends up paying off with 20 yards on the ground, four receptions, 30 yards in the air and a touchdown, like that's Kamara's floor essentially, I feel like in this game. So like when it comes to running it back, is Kareem Hunt an option in this game? Is is Landry an option in this game? Like where where are you running it back if you do play the Big Ben stack? Yeah, so I, I think that Landry is an option uh, mainly for the sake of trying to differentiate your lineup. I, I don't think that he's going to be um, all that particularly well-owned, and the game does profile to where Cleveland will likely be playing from behind. But because of that reason, and this is who I was alluding to earlier, I love me some Kareem Hunt this this Sunday. Ooh. It's a short slate, and if if you just look through that, that tier of players, that sort of mid-four, kind of low 5K range, he easily has the highest upside out of all of them. And he also has probably the safest floor, right? He's got the most well-defined role in his offense. And he's walking into a matchup that profiles for him to be featured while they're trying to catch up from what uh, what sets up to be a big Pittsburgh league, right? So um, uh, it, it, the, the spots where I'm looking for salary relief, but not having to just entirely punt at a position, uh, I'm, I'm moving Kareem Hunt into my, my, my RB spot. Um, you know, with that passing game and, and touchdown upside that he brings fairly so consistently. I didn't even, I meant to ask you and I didn't mean, or I didn't end up asking you like, you know, we're talking about, you know, locks, right. And, and we're talking about, you know, guys that we definitely want on a roster. Is he considered a lock for you? You know, at this point, are you just, are you just playing him where he fits in? So he's probably right in between, honestly, um, to, uh, to, to go back to your favorite term of the night um, on these shorter slates. Raw points is what I lock in, right? So I'm looking for the guys that are going to consistently score uh, a substantial amount of points relative to the field. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily Kareem Hunt, but he is probably my favorite cost savings option. So I'm going to have a shit ton of them. I mean, very well said with the shit ton part. So <laughs> now it's in there looking at it like he's the most expensive backup, but I don't even know if he'd be considered a backup in this game because, you know, by the third quarter, he could see all the snaps. You know, and with them not having uh, Batinho as an option on the, you know, the offensive line, it's like, and by the way, his replacement, I think, went on IR as well. So sitting there looking at it like Kareem Hunt, he's going to see some work. He, I mean, he has to in the receptions alone. He might not get that many yards overall, but if he gets in the end zone, you're, you're cashing in with Kareem Hunt. So sitting there and looking at, you know, I guess the slate, we got to talk about Drew Brees a little bit because we talked about, you know, the potential of, you know, this being a shootout. And I'm sitting there, I'm looking into it, and I'm like, Michael Thomas, smash play. That's amazing. Love me some Michael Thomas. But like, outside of that, oh, by the way, you're on the clock, Eric. I don't know what that means. That's from GMNJ, but you're on the clock. So, oh, we, uh, we're a bunch of degenerates. So we've already started a, a startup dynasty draft like two days after the, the regular like, season ended. I think Stephanie's in like four already. And I'm like, you're a fucking maniac because yeah, draft season. We're just crazy people. Yeah. Yeah, draft yeah, season Once draft hits, you're going to join eight to 10 league. Guarantee it. I'm in 28 this year. I will never do that shit again. I said I wouldn't do 14 again. I'm in 28. It sucks. So sitting there looking at the, uh, the, the Drew Brees thing. I'm like, dude, I don't feel good playing Drew Brees. Like he has the upside, but. I don't feel good about playing Drew Brees. Like, do you feel good about playing Drew Brees? No, uh, in, in no way do I feel good about playing Drew Brees. Um, he was already on a downward trajectory uh, before he broke all 
37 of his ribs or whatever it was. Um, and since coming back, they've, they've really, uh, you know, leaned heavily on, on the run game. So, um, you know, nothing that we've seen from Drew Brees uh, production wise on the field this season would really have me uh, feeling particularly confident about playing him. Um, you know, I'll, I'll have a couple of shares just for the sake of, you know, chasing some, some lower ownership and, and saving a little bit of salary relative to Lamar Jackson. But, uh, you know, that he's put forward on the field, um, the, just how stout this, this bears passing defense has been this year. You know, all of these are things that have me leaning away from breeze, uh, other from area, uh, rather apart from areas where I'm, I'm trying to get a little unique with my build. I like Mitch Spisky though. I like him a lot. Yeah, I I kind of do too. <laughs> this um, sounds dirty. This sounds dirty. It's weird. Yeah, I think last time I was on with Dave, I I was I was sitting there picking uh, Trubisky over Jalen Hurts, which totally worked out well. Um, so it's a uh, it's a fantasy intervention tradition for me to just spew all kinds of Mitchell Trubisky love. It makes sense though. Like it makes too much sense because we're sitting there. It's a little bit of a rushing upside. But first off, you can't run against the Saints for the running back position, right? Absolutely and you sit not. there and you look at the wide receivers and what they did with Nick Foles, like it could be even better. I mean, stacking with A-Rob and Anthony Miller. Like PJ Williams is someone that I always, always, always attack. And honestly, I felt like I, I wanted to put Anthony Miller in there as a as a lock play, but he's not. He's a stack play. So I'm sitting there and I'm gonna run out Trubisky. I'm gonna stack him with A-Rob and stack him with Anthony Miller. I'm gonna fade Montgomery and I'm gonna run it back with Kamara and possibly Emmanuel Sanders. He's a little bit overpriced. Because, you know, they had to price him as if he would be a starter or, you know, the wide receiver one to an extent. Mm -hmm. Michael Thomas is most likely going to be back from the reports that I've seen. But he's going to either be playing up against Jalen Johnson, who gives up big plays constantly, who allows defenders to get behind him. And if Jalen Johnson doesn't play, then he's going to be up against Duke Shelley or or Vildor. And Vildor's been, like, horrifically just terrible this season and, you know, trying to, to fill that gap. Teams are just attacking the hell out of him. I love it, man. Like, I mean, are you somebody that, that feels comfortable playing Anthony Miller, A-Rob, Manuel Sanders, and Trubisky in the lineup, and then being able to play some studs? Because outside of A-Rob, they're all cheap. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing, right? Like, uh, go, go into DK and start your build with those guys and just look at how much money you have left for the rest of your lineup, right? So I definitely love that it, it gives you a ton of flexibility to spend up in the, in the spots that you want to. Um, I mean, at least for me, I don't know if I'm going to be able to walk away from Michael Thomas two price tags, right? I think, I think the difference between them is like a thousand bucks, $1,300, something like that. Um, and it, with, with all reports, uh, indicating that Thomas will be back out there. Um, the idea of, of stacking Trubisky is, is really chasing a lot of upside. Um, and, and Michael Thomas is, is the player of, of those two that, that has that ceiling. So I, I definitely think Sanders is a valid play, but it's it's just so hard to see those two right next to each other on on the salary sheet and and not lean towards Michael Thomas. I understand that one hundred percent. You talked about it earlier. Like you're sitting there and you're like, hey, if I can save a few hundred dollars because of how expensive these players are, I mean, maybe. So we're gonna build a lineup here in a little bit, everybody. We're gonna build a lineup. Ooh. Yeah, you didn't know that was coming. I left that off the the show sheet. We actually built a lineup here to figure out which players want to play. So. Maybe we can try and figure out a way to get Alvin Kamara and Derrick Henry in the same lineup. Ooh, going to have Maybe. a lot of Duvernay, a lot of Anthony Miller. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This could actually provide that to happen. I have not built a lineup yet with them in there, but this could actually provide that. We'll find out here in about 50, well, about 10 minutes. 
All right, so we have some flyers we have to talk about, maybe in less than 10 minutes, to be honest with you. But, uh, you know, we have some flyers we have to talk about, you know, some guys that could actually make you some money. And what if New Orleans does go up big? What if Mitch Trubisky ends up faltering tremendously and the Saints turn to the run game? Latavius Murray makes sense. You know, Latavius Murray does carry the ball heavy. You know, Alvin Kamara might, the COVID might have affected him. You know, unlike what I'm expecting to happen, maybe Latavius Murray actually does handle the full, full workload past, what, the second or third quarter. Is Latavius Murray a flyer for you, or is that just a waste of money? Are you throwing that in the trash? I mean, I, I think he's definitely in play, right? He's he does have a bit of a role in this offense, uh, sort of uh, regardless of of game script. Um, you know, I, I would I would think more so as uh, kind of a punt play out of salary, and his floor is higher than zero. Um, so you know that that's certainly a fair consideration. But I, I really don't think that this game is going to get out of hand all that quickly. So I wouldn't expect uh, an increased workload because of a blowout necessarily. Um, but Murray does have a role in this offense, right? So um, he he will produce, and if you know some of those handful of carries that he gets consistently uh, are are closer to the red uh, the red zone or, or even the green zone, um, you know he could he could really pop with some touchdown upside as well. I mean, just looking at it, like you know, with Latavius Murray when they are up and and they're doing their thing. I mean, 12 carries, 19 carries, 12 carries. Meanwhile, he saw three receptions, one reception and, and two receptions. So 14 touches or more in the games where, you know, they're big for the most part and they don't face a tough run defense. So uh, Chicago, we, we've talked about it, man. They're 10th up against the run, but they've been very poor as of late. So it'll be interesting to see. He's going to need volume in order to produce. But his price, it just, it just makes sense. Like we're sitting there and we're looking at him. He's at 4,500. So as a flyer, if you're getting down to the to the bare minimums and you don't want to go on to like a, a Ty Montgomery or a Justice Hill for your running back position, I think it makes sense. I think, you know, 4,500. We're looking at Gus Edwards, which also makes sense, by the way. Uh, Benny Snell, probably not. I mean, these are the type of guys that he's priced around. Kareem Hunt is 300 more. So if you can squeeze that in, I would do that. But. Yeah, I mean the the decision where I'm going to have him is is likely going to be one between him and Hunt, and uh, in in that case, I'm I'm very much so leaning towards Hunt. But just kind of listening to those names that you listed off that are kind of in his tier of pricing, they don't really all they don't really have all that consistent a role in the offense, and Murray does, right? So yep. if you're going to punt and you're going to try to save some money, at least get a guy that gets a, a pretty steady amount of touches, um, and and Murray, like I said, you can get a few of them. He's well above value and, and you're sitting pretty for the spots where you did pay up in your lineup. Yeah. I mean, prior to, I guess he's very spotty with his red zone rushing upside. Cause he has like six carries one week and then six carries another week inside the red zone, four carries another week, but he's, he's very spotty. The red zone rushes. They give a lot of that to Taysom Hill. Yeah. <sighs> it makes me so everyone's sad. favorite. No, he's not. He's not because he's never fantasy <laughs> relevant if he's not the starting quarterback. Right. And then he just crushes your soul because he takes away a carry from somebody else, which, by the way, Avin Kamara could have had seven freaking rushes. Easily. Oh, man. All right. Uh, so Trumping. let's go on to my next flyer. I think I have Miles Boykin, right? Yeah. Miles Boykin, Devin Duvernay. Miles Boykin has actually been a pleasant surprise as of late. And, you know, like he's sitting there and I'm looking at his snap count. It's like he has. 33 compared to 77 for Marquise Brown, 23 compared to 55, 19 compared to 62, 15, 18. And then all of a sudden in week 13, he outsnapped Miles or he outsnapped uh, Marquise Brown 
by three snaps. He's only 10 snaps below him the following week. The week after that, okay, yeah, he you know lost a few snaps, but then one snap less, 37 snaps less, and he's running routes. Like, they want him out there in the receiving game. And then last week, he ends up turning in his one reception on two targets for 43 yards and a touchdown. Now, the thing with Miles Boykin, right, is he hasn't caught, outside of the first two weeks of the season, he hasn't caught more than two passes. So he's very iffy. But he's had touchdowns in three out of the last five games. So looking at it, like, Miles Boykin, like, he's, oh, man, is he sketchy to sit there and play. Like, he is the sketch of the sketch, but so is Devin DuVernay. Who isn't getting the same, you know, touchdown dependency, not getting even anything volume wise, but always has that big ability to break off a crazy, crazy punt return, a crazy reception. Like, are you sitting there and are you going to waste some fab on or some fab? Are you going to waste some some cash on Devin DuVernay as a flyer or, you know, are you looking at maybe one lineup? Yeah, well, uh, at least if you're going to force me to build a Kamara Henry lineup, then yeah, I'm probably going to have some different. <laughs> I'm not forcing uh, anything, okay? And some some Boykin rather. Um, the the thing that I think is is really interesting that that you highlighted is that his his snap share is pretty consistent. He's on the field a lot, but what's changed over the last four weeks are how many routes he's running and his his percent of of targets, his target share week in and week out. So his role in the offense is increasing uh, at least at a pretty steady clip over the last month or so. Breaking out, thing he's to, breaking out, he's breaking out. The other out. thing to consider is is the alternative, right? I, I think it's fair to kind of make this binary choice between Boykin and Duvernay, and all indications are that Duvernay is going to have. Uh, Malcolm Butler covering in this game, which is certainly the most difficult of the the Titans cornerback matchup. So, um, you know, sort of looking at those two side by side, I'm definitely leaning Boykin and he brings that, that touchdown upside that you're, you're targeting with these, these value plays, these, these bottom, bottom bargain, uh, rather bottom dollar options in, in a GPP, right? You can spend next to nothing on him and he has the upside to score you, 10, 15, 18 points with if he manages to get in the box. Did we see the practice report for Willie Sneed? Um, if uh, you want to look it up while I talk a little bit and, and waste people's times, because, you know, Willie Sneed, when he's been out, it's been a tremendous increase for Devin Duvernay and his snap share. Uh, you know, a whole different animal when Willie Sneed is in there. But, I mean, sitting there looking at Devin Duvernay, I don't think he has an offensive touchdown on the entire season yet. Like, he's had that special teams touchdown. But, yeah, he caught, let's see. I mean, it's, it's been nuts. Like 20 catches, 201 yards, 26 targets. So extremely efficient. Added four rushes for 70 yards. And then ran back a kick for a touchdown. But he's not getting the touchdowns that Miles Boykin is. Did you yeah. have a chance to look up the injury report for, for Willis Sneed while I was bullshitting? Yeah, it did. It was, it was a nice little soft shoe there. Um, so it looks like Willie Sneed actually returned to practice this week, or rather today. Today. Um, wasn't so... Uh, with him missing yesterday and then coming back to limited today, um, unless something goes sideways, right? If he goes limited or full tomorrow, then expect him to to gear up. And we're probably looking elsewhere for our, our punt plays at wide receiver. Yeah, not Duvernay, unfortunately. Damn it. I thought I had some, but Miles Boykin is still in play. He's still in play because he plays on the outside. So let's go ahead and let's hop on to Marquez Callaway who's been a focal point of the offense. But once again, Michael Thomas is coming back, but I think that's going to push out Juwan Johnson, not Marquez Callaway. Marquez Callaway has had his weeks, man, where he's been, you know, insanely efficient. He's been successful, but he's also had a bunch of downers, which has been indicative of his pricing. You know, he's sitting down there at the bottom barrel type pricing for 
uh, DraftKings, I'm assuming FanDuel as well. 3100 Literally $100 more than the minimum pricing. So sitting there looking at Marcus Callaway as possible dart throw, I mean, are you intrigued at all? I mean, 8.1 fantasy points last week, 5.6 weeks before that. He did have a week where he put up 15.5. That was all the way back in week seven up against Carolina. Like, is Marquez Callaway a play for you? Are you going to waste any fab on him? Or is he just going to be pretty much trash for you? <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm probably going to fade Callaway uh, uh, almost entirely this, this weekend, um, uh, uh, presuming that, that Michael Thomas comes back, right? Um, you know, his his role in the offense is a bit safer relative to Michael Thomas's availability. Um, but I just I don't think that Drew Brees is going to be able to distribute the ball to that many receivers and, and specifically in the type of plays that that Callaway runs. So that's part of the consideration. The other is is really just looking at these these punt plays around him. Right. Um, Willie Sneed is a couple hundred dollars more than him and is potentially playing. Um, you know, Peoples Jones is right there. Anthony Miller is a really interesting play right around that spot. So um, I, I definitely think it's it's fair to consider him. But when when you're down at, at this you know this level of of salary, I do think there are a couple more options that I would lean to first. They are a bit more expensive. So if you only have thirty one hundred dollars to to fit in, he's he's the guy, right? I'm definitely looking at him over any of the three K options like. Uh, 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 Des Bryant or uh, Chris Moore, or what have you? Des Bryant's been getting the end zone though. Yeah, but now <laughs> Willie Sneed's back. <laughs> yeah, no, that's tough. That's tough. I mean, I was sitting there looking at Donna Peoples Jones as well, but he still doesn't pass the concussion protocol here just Thursday. So that makes me a little bit nervous. But Donna Peoples Jones in a losing situation with the air of the ball out, and he's the third receiver on the team. He has these weeks where he blows up. It makes sense to play Donna Peoples Jones, but. I don't love that entirely. You know, that's just something that, that sketches me out a little bit. So let's go ahead and build a lineup. You ready to build a lineup? I'm scared. I'm so scared right now. I would be scared too. <laughs> All right. So let me go over, crimp tab, share the screen. We got to sit there. We got to figure out who we want to play. And I said, hey, let's try and figure out how to pick, you know, Derrick Henry. And get them in our lineups. That, like, you know, Derrick Henry and Al Kamara and figure out how to get them in our lineups. But I don't want to, I don't want to dictate the terms. So this is, this is pretty much your roster. And I'm just here to, you know, kind of guide to an extent. So do we want to start out with picking out our studs and figure out who we want to play no matter what, and then move on from there? Yeah. Yeah. I think that was the, uh, that was, that was the drum that we were banging all along. So let's, let's start there. Um, you want to start out with the running backs? Man, I I love a good challenge. So uh, go ahead and fire up Henry and Kamara. Let's see. Let's see what we can piece together with this. Yeah, I mean, we can't backtrack too much once we've been there. We can we can switch a player out or something. Like if we want to switch out. You know, let's just say we go down the line and all of a sudden we want to switch out Dobbins for Henry. That's cool. Can't backtrack too much. We can't reset the lineup because people will get bored. They'll turn off the podcast. So let's go ahead. Let's fit in Derek Henry and Alvin Kamara. All right. So. We need a wide receiver stud. We need a stud who's going to make sure we get the points for wide receiver. And then we'll go ahead and we'll build the lineup because I don't think we actually have a you know, clear view on who's going to be the stud for tight end, right? So let's get at least get a stud for the wide receiver. Who are we picking up as our stud wide receiver option? Let's, uh, let's stick to, to your, uh, your lock plays earlier and let's, let's get Juju in there. Sounds good. All right, so we have our lock studs. Let's go ahead and grab our stack. 
Who are we starting out stack-wise? I mean, Lamar Jackson's sexy. We compare him with A.J. Brown. You know, we can get in Hollywood. Like, we can end up playing, you know, Mark Andrews. And No, I'm just kidding. But seriously, like, <laughs> <laughs> who are we going to go with the quarterback position? You're up on the clock. Yeah, so we've we've got a lot of salary already off the board. We've got a lot of ownership. And presumably in Juju as well. So I'm going unique here and I'm going with our man, Mitchell Trubisky and running him back with a dirt cheap, Anthony Miller. Dude. Fuck. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) This is so dirty. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love it. It's so dirty. Oh man. That boosts us up a little bit to 4,500 per player. Uh, We needed a DST. Do you want to go there next and try and figure out like the DST that we want to play? Cause those are cheaper. And that was, Will give us more of an idea of how much salary we have left because they're so, I guess, pivotal. Yes, and this is exactly the point in my lineup where I start looking at DST. I, I get to my average remaining per, per player. Beautiful. I start to freak out a little bit, and so I go and get my cheapest option out there, right? I um, love it. So, We're like two pieces of the pod, man. This is amazing. Yeah, this is perfect. We should do this every week. Um, so, I we think, will be doing I it next week. Saints, I think the Saints are the, the chalky defense, and that coupled with the fact that we just stacked up Trubisky, we're off on that point. So really for me, um, they, they all sort of blend together to be just about the same. Whenever, whenever I, I look at that point, I typically go towards like the cheapest option of the lot. But actually for this build, I'm going to go with the Ravens. Um, I, I do think that um, when we think about just the, the skill set of their defensive players, there is a bit of a higher propensity to go after and potentially even turn over the ball. So whenever I'm sort of punting or, or pseudo punting on defense, I typically prioritize turnovers and the Ravens of this kind of lower tier are certainly the most capable defense of getting that turnover. So lock them in for me at 3,300. I am huge on turnovers. I just want you to know, it's like, I'm huge, huge on turnovers. I mean, I sat there and I played uh, one week. I played, it was the Rams defense. I mean, I'm sorry, it was the Rams versus, versus Tampa Bay, and they had one of the highest-scoring games of the week, but I'm like, James Winston turns over the ball. This is going to be a high-scoring game, but this could be a, a game where the Rams return two touchdowns, you know, or whatever the case was. Uh, or no, no, it was where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it wasn't even James Winston, it was Jared Goff at the time because Jared Goff was turning the ball over a ton, like a ton within a three-week span. So I ended up picking up that one, and I think Ndamukong Sue ended up returning a, a fumble for a touchdown. So I'm a huge proponent of that, but – we're sitting there and we're looking at it, right? And Cleveland's offense is going to be marred. Like they don't have Joe Batonio, mm-hmm. who is the number one, you know, run blocking guard. Meanwhile, he's very good at pass blocking as well. Uh, this, they don't have their, their offensive play callers. They're not going to have anybody. Are you sure you don't want to pay up 300 to go with the Steelers? Who are one of the best defenses in the league who guarantee you sacks. Yeah, it's, it's a fair point. Um, I, I think, I think if you, you want to try to pivot off that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's the spot to go to. Um, they're, they're probably a bit more consistent and safe, uh, you know, with regard to their defensive production. Um, but starting out our build with Henry and with Kamara, we're going to need every dollar that we can get. Um, so as, as we continue to go through this build, if there are a couple of spots that you maybe want to pivot off of and and free up a few hundred bucks, then I definitely agree that that Pittsburgh is the place to uh, to pivot off of the Ravens too. But for now, I mean, we're we're bargain shopping, baby. We got to save every dollar. 
I'll take it. I'll take it. All right. So we're going with the Ravens. All right. Let's go ahead and let's figure out. Do you want to do tight end and then figure out the flex next and then finish up with wide receiver? Yeah. Yeah. So at, at tight end, this is where I'm going to look for a bit more correlation and uh, and, and really looking to take advantage of uh, this, this banged up um, uh, uh, middle linebacker, Roquan Smith for the Bears. So I'm going to save a little bit of money. going to avoid the chocolate Mark Andrews. I'm actually going to uh, dial in Jared Cook here at my tight end. So got a nice little two by two stack in what projects to be maybe the lowest owned of the three games. I totally thought that you were going to go to the Cole, Cole Komet when you first started that. Like when you first started out, I thought you were going to go to Cole Komet because you know the join our circle underscore chat is just nuts about Cole Komet. I, I, can't, I can't deal with it. But it's okay. Man, any, anyone in Dynasty loves him from Cole Komet. I think he was like the third tight end off the board in this Dynasty startup we just did. People love them. What? What? It was wild. I think a few of them are in here. Uh, Jay's, Jay's in here making some noise. Jay, uh, keep me honest on where, where Cole Komet went. Oh, my God. All right. That's crazy. Okay. So <laughs> while we're there, let's go ahead. And, <laughs> you know, you're talking about correlation, right? And I don't think Anthony Miller is going to make Mitch Trubisky relevant. So we're sitting there, and I feel like we have to, at this point, start like Allen Robinson. Right? I mean, he is a little more expensive. He's going to make us play a flyer. We plug him in real quick. I'll leave us 3,800, so we're going to have to play a flyer. But I feel like Allen Robinson is a must-play at this point if you're going to play Trubisky. Yeah, so that's, that's the stack, right? We are all in on this, on this New Orleans-Chicago game. So um, I've, I've got Robinson in there at, at the wide receiver spot. Um, and in there at the flex position, there are some of those, those lower-priced darts that um, you know, can can at least you know potentially offer up a bit of of scoring upside. So um, go Ebron's ahead and get out. Robinson in there. Eric Ebron's out. Is he? Yeah, I haven't seen I'm that. Looking at it right now. Hold on, we'll pull it up. We'll pull up the notes. Oh yeah, I see him now. Wait, he got activated. I'm very confused by this news. Since he just yeah, got activated, he's out. <laughs> Fake news is everywhere. He's both activated and out at the same time. <laughs> I'm very confused right now. Um, can you can you update me on that? Like, do you know what's going on? You're frozen. Don't specifically. Actually, when uh, when you just brought that up was the first time that I'd saw it, and and the news is contradictory to the tag. <laughs> so weird. All right, so sitting there and figuring out where we want to play. Johnny Smith, by the way, got a touchdown the last time they played, and. Doing a two tight end stack is very contrarian. We also have Marquez Cowley, who brought up Devin Duvernay, who, you know, we don't really want to play. Miles Boykin, who's been scoring. I mean, this is what we talked about. This is what we prepared for. You know, we prepared. We, we jumped in and we prepared for this to happen. You know, like, but, but where are we going to go? Because I, I don't feel prepared. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling a little vulnerable myself. Um, Ooh, you know, I, this guy? I'll I'll probably uh, probably look to fade John New out of this lot. I do think that um, that a two tight end build is a really unique roster construction. But really, ever since they've they've lost their uh, their tackle in in Tennessee, he's basically just in there for blocking purposes. So the decision for me comes down. He ran routes on eighty percent of the plays last week. Man, he's been running routes 
they just aren't looking at them as much. It's kind of crazy. Like yeah, that's the same thing that I weird. did research on at first, but it's like they just don't look at them anymore. Yeah, it's 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 really odd how uh, how he's got the sort of tail of two seasons, right? I think at one point he was tied in two or three um, yeah. in, in fantasy points, and then those back half of the season he's just an afterthought. Um, so that that sort of variability and and sort of identifying the trend uh, here more recently has me at least avoiding John New Smith in, in this build. So for me, it, it really boils down to Boykin or Sneed. Um, I think it's fair to consider Graham, but that is just so much exposure to this to this Chicago offense that I'm probably crossing him off the list as well. So for where we sit today, I'll go ahead and put Boykin in there. Um, but if Sneed is activated, which he's at least trending that way, I sort of God, your cutout points are the kind of worst. boomer bust nature that, that Boykin brings in. So I don't know if, if everybody else heard that, but you've had cutout points where it's like the worst timing you could possibly have. And so you said, if Sneed is activated, blank happens, and I didn't hear the rest. Yeah, so, so basically what I was saying is I'll, I'll put Boykin in now, yep. um, but if Sneed's activated, that's, that's the way that I'm going on, on that sort of one-for-one one one decision. All right, so we're going to go Boykin for now. Yeah, we need some exposure, man. This is a high-scoring game on the slate, and we have one share or two shares, I guess. Baltimore's defense and then Tennessee, so we're hoping for that that lineup to just completely bust. Yeah, this this build is going to get you into either the top ten or into last place. So, <laughs> um, crack crack open a drink for that 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 uh, that that nightcap on Sunday night, and uh, and hope for some points in New Orleans. We have zero dollars left. Is there anybody we want to pivot down to? Like, do we want to pivot down to Duvernay maybe and grab that that other defense? Or yeah, so at least with with this build, right, we're uh, we're, we're really kind of banking on uh, a lower scoring game in this this Baltimore Tennessee outing. So I'm you know I'm, I'm comfortable with them in there. Honestly, if if I'm looking at a pivot, um, it, it might be moving off of Kamara and into, uh, uh, into Dobbins and then maybe looking to bump up, uh, one of those, uh, those dark throw wide receivers, um, into, you know, kind of that, that mid tier range. So, um, you know, we, we set out on a pretty difficult challenge of fitting in Henry and Kamara into the same build. So if I'm looking for some salary relief and a place to pivot, it's going to be off of one of those two. Love it, man. Absolutely love it. This was one of my favorite shows I've ever done. Rosalie Michaels has you beat one time. Rosalie Michaels, you know, she's amazing. But, you know, she has you beat. She has you beat one time. Uh, meanwhile, it's it was a very pleasurable experience, if I may say so myself. Oh, it, was, it was all mine. We'll, uh, we'll run it back next week. You know, I'm ready, man. We're going we're gonna to be doing this stuff, everybody, for next Sunday as well. Or maybe next Saturday. we got to figure out which slate we want we to cover. But this was fun. This was fun. And I love covering these small slates. These are my favorite slates to go after. But just because, yeah, I want my guarantee points. And then I just want to take shots after that. But anyways, let me know where to find you real quick. Yeah, so you can, uh, you can find me on Twitter. I am uh, at FantasyNav. You can see it there in my nameplate, too. Um, in terms of where I contribute, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm moonlighting over here at Fantasy Intervention. Uh, so check us out at Join Our Circle. And then I also write Join a couple of Join Our Circle underscore. Weekly. Join Our Circle underscore. Join Our Circle underscore. Don't forget the underscore. Yeah, no, and then I also write a couple. If you end up forgetting the underscore, then you're going to end up with a knitting company. 
Do you not see Frank oh. Duffy's thing? I've I mean, been trying to buy it off them forever now. It's it's crazy. I'll I'll leave the audience to decide which they'd rather interact with. I mean, knitting is pretty dope. Uh, but in, in terms of where you can find my work, uh, I, I write a few different weekly articles, mainly around DFS and around uh, prop bets for going for two.com. Um, so if, if you if you're following me on Twitter at Fantasy Nav, you'll see some of our articles pop up there. And you can also check out going for two.com for all of the great work that uh, myself and the rest of the team are putting out. Uh, we're, we're cranking out a bunch of content, so check it out, going com. Golf clap, just because I think a regular clap would be way too loud. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> no, I, I love you, man. Love you guys over there going for two. Phenomenal company. Make sure you guys check them out. And make sure you guys check us out. Join our, join our circle underscore. Join our circle underscore. Now, but guys, like the biggest way y'all can help out, guys Ingram, biggest way y'all can help out, is by going to youtube.com slash fantasy intervention, youtube.com slash fantasy intervention, hitting subscribe. We have some big, big things happening. Oh my God. I'm sorry for Matt Miller to come on. I am nervous. I'm shaking. You see my hand. I'm shaking. You'll be all this right. Actually fake shaking. But so. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't wait. Like I'm so anxious. I'm so excited. Like I wish I could wake up tomorrow. This is going to be like Christmas. Matt Miller is coming on my podcast. Are you kidding me? I'm excited, but Still excited to have you on tonight. This is one of the best conversations I've had for DFS uh, since I started this. So I enjoyed your company. Listen, I appreciate you all for listening in. Hope you guys enjoyed. And thank you all for letting us intervene with your fantasy football life. We're out. Hey, my dope. My niggas is dope. Switch up a stove. Pick up a stove. They feeling away. They know I'm the goat. That's how you bang a podcast.